and welcome to the Beyond Brexit podcast. I'm your host, Shalina Poffenberger. At the time that I'm speaking now, we're in the final 30 working days of the Brexit transition period. The possibly last and possibly final round of negotiations is almost at an end, and the moment for moving into a new way of trading and working with the EU is nearly here. So over the months, and really over the last four years, the overarching narrative has been about the need for certainty in the Brexit outcome. Businesses and people need to know what will come next so they can be ready for it. And even though we may not have that final certainty of a free trade agreement, we actually do know what to expect come January 1st. Today, I'm joined remotely by Matt Clark, our Head of Customs, Excise, and International Trade, and Dan Burke, who leads our central government consulting business. And we'll be focusing specifically on what will change for organizations that move goods between the UK and the EU. So whether it's widgets to build a product with, products to use within your own business, or, or items to sell on to consumers here in the UK or elsewhere in the world, the rules for moving those items across our borders become more complex from January, and it will take more time and more resources to do so. So Matt and Dan will talk about what organizations need to do now with these final 30 working days to avoid more significant disruption in the new year than is already coming. So Matt, can we start off by recapping the changes that are coming with regard to moving goods across the border? We know that there will be new requirements for businesses who move goods between the UK and the EU from 1st of January. So can you summarize for us what those requirements will be? Sure. Fa thanks, Shalina. Uh, happy to do so. I think there are three main changes that, that traders and business will have to get used to that have been clarified and published by the UK government this year. So the first is in relation to the UK global tariff, and this determines the customs duty payable on all goods imported into the UK from the 1st of January 2021. It's pretty good news for UK importers. The new tariff rates in general are slightly lower than the EU tariff that we're used to. And apart from these new customs duty rates, I think little would change for those businesses already importing and exporting from the UK to countries outside the EU because they will be used to trading internationally. The only real change for them would be if we lose access to EU free trade agreements with certain countries, but the UK is continuing to push forward with managing and agreeing its own agreements. So, for example, we've just signed a new one with Japan, and that gives us more favourable rates for trading between them. Other free trade agreements that are currently in works are, for example, Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, and the CPTPP, which is the Comprehensive Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is one of the largest trading partnerships in the world that the UK is trying to gain access to. So that, that's basically for companies that trade internationally. But of course, this new border is coming in in between the UK and the EU. So, so what does that mean for business? So that's where the border operating model kicks in on how we trade with the EU. Everything is going to change when this new border takes effect, which is technically on the 31st of December 2020 at 11pm. This will impact all business moving goods across this new UK-EU border, but especially those, as I mentioned, that haven't traded internationally before, because, of course, they will be unfamiliar with customs declarations, what data goes on them and how to submit those declarations to keep goods moving across that new border. So if we think of the flows in both directions, for goods exported from the UK to the EU, 
Customs declarations will need to be submitted to HMRC to get the goods out of the UK. And if moving into France through the Channel Tunnel, for example, an import declaration lodged in France. And that will be need to be done on both sides from the 1st of January 2021. Now, it's slightly different for goods being imported into the UK from the EU. The UK government is phasing in the border. Now, if you bring in goods which are classed as control goods, so for example, that can be goods subject to excise duty, alcohol, oil, or tobacco, and you can check uh, your classification code for your goods on the HMRC website to see if you are moving control goods or not, you will need to do full declarations for the 1st of January. However, for businesses that aren't moving control goods, then it's possible for inbound movements to delay completion of those customs declarations until the 1st of July, 2021. So it kind of gives you a six month period of grace to be able to do your customs declarations for those movements in the first half of next year. Now, there are some additional licensing requirements that will kick in for certain types of goods, for example, food from the 1st of April. But many businesses are choosing not to delay these declarations until July, because of course that could present its own difficulties. You've got to then compile a database for all your movement data for six months and start to submit it after the fact. If any of that data is lost or it's incomplete, that could be really hard to recreate as of July. So that's why an awful lot of businesses are choosing not to and will simply affect their movements from the 1st of January by completing full import declarations. So, so let's dig into that just a little bit deeper. So Dan, in terms of the border operating model, are you able to give us a sense of how deeply these changes will affect businesses in the UK? Hi, Shalini. Yeah, I can certainly, um, I'll certainly have a go. Um, I mean, I think you're, you'll have picked up from from Matt something about the kind of size and scale of this this challenge, this big change that's happening. I mean, the key thing I think to note is that customs declarations will be needed for every shipment that crosses the border. And if there isn't a free trade agreement, we'll be subject to customs checks as well. Um, essentially, what we're talking about here is a declaration needing to be processed every time an item crosses the border. So that might actually mean several border crossings to produce a finished product. So if, for instance, you've got a gearbox where the, the steel originates in England, crosses into Portugal, comes back to Wales to be fitted together, moves to Germany for further um, processing, and then back to the UK to put it into a vehicle. Actually, every one of those border crossing triggers an import or an export declaration. Now, when you multiply that by the amount of trade that uh, that goes on in a, in a typical year, um, you get to some pretty big numbers. It's been estimated that there'll be an additional 200 to 230 million declarations in the UK alone. Um, and that's a big step up from the current number of declarations that are made. It's currently about 28 to 30 million. So a really big increase in the number of customs declarations that need to be made. In terms of the number of businesses affected, there's estimated to be around 180,000 UK businesses that this will be new for. And that's mainly because they've only ever traded with and within the EU. So they will have to find new ways to manage this volume of customs declaration, learn what's required. And as Matt suggested earlier, you know, to be able to capture the data in the right way to be able to to um, to take part in this in this new requirement on them. These numbers are staggering, Dan. So 
So there's going to be an administrative requirement, and it sounds like a pretty big one. And I get, I get the point that this will be new to many businesses, but if it's a matter of filling out a simple form, what exactly is the big issue? Matt, maybe you could explain why this is something that requires so much preparation. Sure. So, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, Shalina, there are businesses out there that will obviously be familiar uh, with customs declarations because they've traded internationally before. But to Dan's point, if you're a type of business that hasn't moved hasn't moved goods internationally, so you're just trading within the EU, typically they used to be covered off by a VAT invoice. You know, that was a, a zero-rated dispatch and an acquisition for VAT. And a VAT invoice has a really simple data set. And the difference is, is that a customs declaration data set is far more complex and has far more pieces of data that need to go within it. So for example, some of the key things that go into a customs data set are a 10 digit numerical classification code. And that determines not only what your goods are, but what customs duty rate is applicable to them at import. It also determines if there are any additional requirements for you to undertake and complete to bring goods in. So for example, if you're moving food, the classification code will say, do you need a veterinary certificate uh, or, or, you know, if it's dairy or meat, things like that. You've also got to think about um, customs procedure codes. Now, most people on the planet, unless you are a bit of a geek like me and do customs, won't know what a customs procedure code is. But it's a certain unique code that tells HMRC for goods coming into the UK what you're bringing them in for. And it's unique pieces of data like that, that that they won't know what they are and they won't know how to fill out these forms. So in most cases, they'll need a customs broker to do that for them. Some of the other pieces of data that are, can be quite complex is, is the origin of a product. So where does it come from? You know, is it just grown in a country? That can be quite simple if it's fruit and it comes from Spain, for example. But if it's a really complex uh, piece of kit that's got lots and lots of parts, it can be a difficult calculation to work out what the true origin of that product is. And that's normally set by free trade agreements. So it can actually differ by who you're trading with. One of the other things that's quite difficult is what's the value that you put for the goods that are crossing across that border? Now, again, that can be fairly complex. If you've got a series of sales transactions before the goods cross the border, which one do you use? Um, we typically use the last sale for export for goods imported into the UK and into the EU. But again, people are unfamiliar with these principles. How do you treat really complex things for valuations such as transfer pricing adjustments, intellectual property payments, royalties, license fees? And, and that's where it starts to get really complex. So, you know, to, if you get this wrong and you don't complete your customs declaration correctly, then best case, you can get, you know, a post compliance audit and you might have to pay over some underpaid duty or worst case, it can really slow down your supply chain. Your goods can get delayed at the border because they either feel that they have to check the paperwork that goes with those goods to check it's right. Or they might even choose to physically open your container and check what's in there. So it's a real risk for many businesses that if you get this wrong, it's really going to slow down your supply chain or in certain cases, just cause it to stop. So getting that customs declaration data set right, getting it into the right person's hands at the right time is actually key to keeping your goods moving. 
And of course, we're all kind of used to trading internationally where things are on the open water and the high seas for several weeks if something's coming over from the Far East or the US, for example. But we've now got to squeeze this process into a reduced number of hours. You know, you could have someone driving over from France through the Channel Tunnel into the UK in a matter of four to six hours from creating a shipment to it actually arriving on the UK side. And now you've got to go through that whole customs process within that short time frame. And it's difficult. So ensuring that you can do that and testing the process and procedure to make sure you try and iron out any issues before the 1st of January, I think is absolutely key in terms of a business's preparation. So clearly I'm hearing a lot about supply chain risk in all of this. So it goes much further beyond just the customs, the administrative processes required for customs declaration. So Dan, how does the additional burden of customs declarations affect the organized transfer of goods from raw materials right through to delivery to the ultimate consumer? I mean, I think just to reinforce some of the things Matt said there, you know, if businesses are are not ready to um, undertake these new processes, they will literally be at the back of the queue in ports. Uh, it will take them much longer in transit, and it's going to put real pressure on the, the timeliness of the flow of goods that people are used to. So that could mean, you know, in practical terms for perishable goods, you've got risk of spoilage. And when you look at manufacturing processes, particularly for more complex um, products and goods, you know, the just-in-time manufacturing process actually relies on very precisely choreographed arrival of, of parts. And if that isn't orchestrated uh, effectively, then there's there's really big risks for people in terms of being able to, um, you know, to work in the way which they're used to. Uh, and we were talking to a client earlier in the week who was saying that it takes them typically, you know, there are 220,000 parts needed to create a jet engine. They need to make sure that every one of those is going to turn up exactly where they need it on time. And this clearly, um, this challenge that people are facing is, is, a, is a big one for them. Um, I think one thing for us to say, you know, from our own research that we've done, um, we're quite concerned that many, if not a majority of businesses, particularly those in the category that are brand new to customs declarations, uh, are not really ready. So we, we do, you know, this podcast is very timely because there's still time to put the arrangements in place that businesses need to um, but clearly time's, time's ticking away as we get closer to the 1st of January. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point, Dan. So, so Matt, perhaps you can talk us through what businesses need to do to be getting ready in the time that we have left. Well, I, th I think, Shalina, one of the main things for me is, you know, as Dan said, you have got some time left, but time is ticking. So you've really got to focus on the basics of how to trade across this new border. And, and to that end, HMRC have sent out a nine-point action list to all that registered traders in the UK on what they need to do to be ready to trade across the new border from the 1st of January 2021. And look, we, we've been working very closely with a lot of our clients uh, already, but some new clients in response to this list, which has spurred them into action. So perhaps if I focus on some of the key uh, aspects of that action list. So the first one for me is to understand what tax approvals do you need within the UK, but also, you know, HMRT won't say this on their list, 
what are the tax approvals that you need on the EU side? Because you might be doing something over there if you need to act as an importer on that side or an exporter. That comes with its own complications. So the basic tax approvals, do you have an EORI, an E-O-R-I? So that's in order to be able to import. In the UK, we use a GB EORI. Uh, in the EU, it will obviously be the first two letter prefix for those countries. Are you VAT registered in the right place? Um, do you have access to a duty deferment account in order to, to pay over your duties after month end? And that could be either your own or access to a broker's. But these are some of the basic things you need to have in order to clear goods across the border. The other thing for me is, so the second point is determine your classification codes. To Dan's point earlier, some of our clients and some businesses have so many different parts that they have moving across the border. Each of those has to have that 10-digit numerical classification code. Now, that classification code also determines whether you're on that controlled goods list or not. So just to refresh our memory, that determines whether you have to submit customs declarations for goods imported from the EU into the UK from either the 1st of January or you have the option to delay until the 1st of July. So getting your classification is right and checking that controlled goods list is my second point. Third point is many clients are really struggling to appoint customs brokers due to that increased demand that Dan mentioned. So, you know, a lot of businesses at the moment are used to having imports and exports from outside the EU. So they might only have a couple of months, but they're suddenly realizing that they can have hundreds of movements in between the UK and the EU on a monthly basis. They've all now got to be covered by customs declarations. So there is a real increased demand for the services that they need from their customs broker. And look, this is something that PwC has recognized over the past few years is, is a real big area where clients are struggling to find a service provider to help with that increased demand. We've actually launched our own PwC customs brokerage service to meet this demand in order to help keep our clients' supply chains moving. Because a lot of our clients were just simply saying, we can't find the brokers to do this for us or to act in certain ways, like as an indirect representative, if they're not established in the UK. So to that end, you know, we've been helping clients prepare and test their supply chains. And really, as I alluded to earlier, you know, running through some test transactions and test data sets on how quick you can get that data together and in the right hands to affect your clearance. And look, if I, if I can add a cheeky point number four, Shalina, it's that this is not going away. This is happening from the 1st of January. You've got to be ready for it. Please, please, please do not wait until the last minute to make sure that your goods can keep moving. And just to be really clear, this comes regardless of whether a free trade agreement is agreed with the EU or not. Is that right? Yeah, that, 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 that's absolutely right, Shalina. You know, a free trade agreement, what that does is it lowers the customs duty payable on goods that are of UK or EU origin. But you're still required to submit customs declarations on both sides of the channel to keep good moving across it, even if we have a free trade agreement. So even with one, it's not time to relax because all those border formalities and customs declarations processes will still need to be undertaken. I, I want to switch gears just a little bit now. So we talked about Northern Ireland in a previous podcast episode, but we need to come back to it again. Are we any clearer about the requirements for businesses moving goods from Great Britain to Northern Ireland? Dan? Thanks, Yelena. Well, look, as is 
become obviously clear through this podcast, Matt's the man with the details, but the big picture around this key issue is that the withdrawal agreement that dictates the UK's withdrawal from the EU did include very clear provisions that there won't be a hard border on the island of Ireland. So the compromise position that's, that was reached is that Northern Ireland remains part of the e, of the UK and is therefore subject to any UK-wide trade deals, but remains aligned for a period with the EU rules on customs um, and VAT for goods. So the the position that we're we're kind of working through is that there is there is essentially a goods border, if you like, in the Irish Sea. What that means in practice is that goods passing from Great Britain to Northern Ireland will be exempt from tariffs unless they're considered to be at some risk of passing into the Republic of Ireland. So this arrangement is clearly to protect, I guess, the kind of border with the the, the um, European uh, single market. Uh, the protocol itself doesn't have a huge amount of detail about how this is going to be achieved in, in practice. Uh, and there's an EU-UK joint committee that is working through these issues kind of one piece at a time. So there's some more clarity kind of emerging. Um, but I might just uh, just ask Matt to see if he's uh, got, got the latest on, uh, on some of those details. I mean, th thanks, Dan. Look, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, a lot of that practical detail traders and business are still working uh, working on and, and and waiting to be told exactly how this is going to work and there still remain some practical uncertainties in terms of the northern ireland protocol uh especially in respect of the eu stance and how the uk's position actually aligns with that um turning to customs firstly i think it's important to distinguish movements of goods between gb to ni and vice versa so for goods moving uh, from GB into NI, there will be requirements, as Dan said, to move them across. Now, what we're hearing is there will be need to be a customs declaration, a safety and security declaration, and an entry into a new system that the UK government has released called the Goods Vehicle Movement System. And this is for trucks that travel over um, to Northern Ireland from the west coast of the UK. And, and you know, you also hit the nail on the head, Dan, in terms of what is at risk. We're still waiting on that definition. Now, trade intelligence suggests that all goods moving over to Northern Ireland will be classed as at risk and therefore customs duty will be payable on them. However, there will be some form of reclaim or drawback mechanism, if you'd like to call it that, that will enable you to, to claw back that customs duty for goods that remain in Northern Ireland and don't move into ROI. But again, we don't have detail on how that's going to work yet. Now, for goods moving between Northern Ireland and GB, it is intended that there'll be unfettered access to the GB market. So from the UK perspective, the UK is saying that there will not need to be uh, customs declarations to move go goods across because that's treated as being within the United Kingdom. However, the EU stance is slightly different and typically and historically, they've said, well, we do expect some form of export declaration to be lodged to move goods from Northern Ireland into the GB mainland. So again, there's still detail to come out of that joint committee. Things are literally being published weekly at the moment, Shalina. And, and Dan, we know that that 
the TSS service, which is a service that the UK government launched to aid uh, traders and business in moving goods across that new border, is constantly giving updates to people that are registered for it. So I would implore people that if you do move goods in between GB and NI, please do register for that TSS service because you will get the latest update from it. One of the other themes we discussed in our Northern Ireland podcast is competitiveness. And state aid is one of the major points still outstanding in the FTA negotiations. So uh, perhaps I'll go to Dan. Will Brexit put Northern Ireland at a competitive disadvantage to Great Britain? Um, well, I mean, as, as, you, as you suggest, you know, things like state aid, big issues still to be discussed and worked through. I mean, I would have, I would say it's fair to say that um, the commitment to um, making sure that Northern Ireland is not put at a disadvantage is a really strong one on behalf of the government, um, you know, and this discussion and the internal markets bill and so forth is about trying to make sure that um, there is, that that doesn't happen. There wasn't, there are kind of unintended consequences. I think it's also worth saying that, um, I mean, as some of the discussion and debate around the US presidential election and the position of the president-elect on the Good Friday Agreement has kind of highlighted, um, commitment to the Good Friday Agreement is absolutely kind of sacrosanct in all of this. And neither the UK nor the EU would want to put Northern Ireland in a position where there's any sort of tension around that. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's a good question. It's one that we're staying very close to and uh, and particularly working through with our clients based in Northern Ireland as we speak. And Dan, is there anything else you'd like for our listeners to think about? Uh, if I'm allowed, Shalina, just, um, I mean, Matt mentioned this as he was uh, giving his, his really good, um, his sort of advice, which everyone should listen to, to Matt on. He's got it spot on. A, a one to maybe pick up is that, um, if you are struggling to uh, to get your own customs broker, we have set up a team um, which is hired and trained. There's a good, there's sort of big team based in our Belfast office who are able to uh, to talk to you about uh, doing this for you. Um, if you have a Google, Google PwC Customs, it will come up. And, and the other thing we're doing uh, through that is putting out there on the website a whole series of kind of how-to guides. So lots of readiness assessment guides that are online for free which um, hopefully you'll find useful thank you dan and thank you matt so while it's tremendously frustrating for businesses to not know what our trading rules will be with just over a month to go before the end of transition it's important to put the free trade agreement into perspective in the balance is whether tariffs and quotas will be applied to goods moving across the borders with the eu we know that there will be customs checks on goods, and this is something that can and should be prepared for now. The long-term change will undoubtedly cause some short-term pain, but careful advanced preparation can help to mitigate some of that effect. So businesses have the information they need to act now for the 1st of January, 2021. So use these final working days wisely. Be ready for the substantial change that is coming. And if you need support to do that, please get in touch. You can read more about getting ready for the new customs requirements on our website, pwc.co.uk forward slash customs. That's all for now. Stay safe, everyone.